Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Happy Friday. Happy parading. Happy Mardi Gras. Happy sports talk. Stephen Jeff hanging out with you till 7 o'clock. Right now we are looking at the LSU baseball team up big time, Jeff. Rolling. Eight, eight nothing. Bottom of the seventh inning, Skeens is out the game, but an impressive uh, outing for the LSU's ace pitcher. Six innings, 12 strikeouts, no runs earned, and just three hits allowed and what with one walk. Looks like uh, they knew what they were talking about bringing him over, huh? Only threw 98 pitches. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Pretty effective. Uh, pretty good. Seems pretty good. I mean, it is Western Michigan. I guess we should... We should cut that Temper, with, with the fact that it's Western Michigan, but I don't care if it's a college team trying to hit the ball. And they're not seeing it, (laughs) you know, like this is a, if you want to call it a tune up, you want to call it whatever. If this is a preview, it's a pretty good one. Yeah. I love seeing that from obviously these LSU Tigers have such huge uh, expectations coming into this year. And I can't really recall a team, you know, with that much hype or or would you say it's pressure around you coming into the, to a, a long college baseball season and you got that number one ranking right out the gate. It's it's hard to hold on to that. Yeah, you can't go anywhere but down. That's, exactly. that's the problem. Is yeah. like there's nowhere to go higher than one. So like you're gonna you're gonna have that target on your back all year long. And if you suddenly drop to like the teens, then you're a disappointment. So it is a tough position to be in. Um, but I think we have uh, we have someone who's been waiting on the Oakland Art Jewelers talking text line for a good bit. It's five zero four two six zero one eight seventy if you want to get in on the conversation. But we're gonna go to James in Metairie. Hey James, you're on WWL. Thanks for hanging in, James. Oh no worries. Listen, guys, I'm 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 I missed at the fact that we make the big stink about a guy that could barely get off the fifty yard line when he played against us. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I want him. I mean, I mean, he would actually be an asset in terms of um, having a quarterback that will get us past this division. I mean, that's at the at this juncture, that's all that really matters. But I mean, if I'm if I'm playing the stock game, which I do a lot, um, his stock ain't up. I mean, I, I, what about Daniel Jones? What but about, all the stocks are down. You know, the market's terrible <laughs> right now. What are you? T- I mean, I'm just kidding. Continue. What about mean. what about Jimmy Golak? What about Jimmy G? I mean, I mean, um, I mean, okay. So Jimmy G might cost too much, and so might uh, apparently uh, David Carr, even though he sucked the whole season. Well, David Carr's um, retired. We don't but, want him. Derek Carr. So, I'm so sorry. What about, I'm what, about right what about the guy? What about the guy with the Giants? Daniel Jones. He's a uh, yeah. Now he's a uh, he's not getting out of New he's York. Not, he, I mean, I'm, you know I'm just I mean, telling they you. They can't pay everybody. They can't. 
They can't pay everybody. Yes, he can. I mean, they're they're gonna gonna pay, pay their they can pay up. Daniel Jones, and they're going to pay Dan- – <laughs> I'm just telling you, like, the Giants for so long have been in this kind of rut. And they, they finally found their way out of it, right? They finally moved past Eli Manning. They have a quarterback. They have a head coach who I think finally works, and it's the biggest media market in the world. And it's one of the top-rated teams in the NFL. This is an ownership that understands that. They're not letting Daniel Jones get out of town. Like, if it's down to paying – you know, if he was asking for something crazy, you know, like a market-resetting deal, that would be one thing. You're talking $36 million, That's just – in five years, by the time that contract's done, $36 million will be a cheap quarterback. Like, that's how quickly this is all rising. But you know, I, I think what he's saying there is, why are you betting everything on Derek Carr, a guy who – has never won a playoff game, has a losing career record, is 31 years old, right? Has never played outside of the Raiders organization, which I would argue is the reason you can look past some of those other things. Right. Um, when you could look at a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, and I, and I agree with that, but it's all about whether you see Derek Carr as a guy that can kind of lift you over that kind of barrier of, okay, we're just this average team that's trying to make the playoffs, and now we are a contender. If you think he's that, then then it's well worth the money, and you're going to go and you're going to get him. If you don't think he's that, if you're kind of on the fence, then yeah, go 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 chase Jimmy Garoppolo and see if he can do stuff for you. But I don't know. I, I think at this point, uh, I just want a quarterback in there. I just want to know who it is. That's the frustrating thing is just feeling like you're in the desert of quarterback. One thing I will say, you want to you know, just – play a little side-by-side comparison game, you, you know, talking Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr kind of thing. And right off the bat, what stands out is definitely Car- Carr's ability um, to stay on the field compared to Garoppolo, who's had chronic inj- injury problems, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to hold a broken ankle against anybody. That's just a freak injury, right? But, yeah, I mean, guys, certain guys get hurt all the time. Like, that's we talked about Eli Manning a few minutes ago. Like, he, to like a superhuman level, he never got hurt. <laughs> I mean, he went his almost his whole career without missing a game, uh, and you you saw that kind of develop in the sense that he actually fell off and was like, but like you never knew when was the time to bench him because usually it's like the injury that kind of forces him to the bench and he never happened, and then they benched him for Geno Smith and then Ben McAdoo got fired. Anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, it's that is a question, and you got to figure that out, but. Jameis Winston gets hurt. Baker Mayfield gets hurt. Everyone gets hurt. It's the NFL. Taking a break on Sports Talk. Coming back, we're going to check in with Mile High, Broncos insider for KOA Radio in Denver, Brandon Cristal. What's Sean Payton up to in Denver? Back after this in a flash on Sports Talk with Jeff and Steve on WWL. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Happy Friday, everybody. Jeff and Steve here on Sports Talk, bringing you the latest and greatest. Joining us now, Brandon Cristal, Broncos insider for KOA Radio in Denver. How are you this Friday, Brandon? Oh, hey, sorry about that. (laughs) No, no problem. How are you today? What's going on? I've got... I've got kiddos and a nanny in the car. We're on our way to go see Ant Man and the Wasp. Ah, nice. But, uh, but I'm I'm doing great. 
and uh, excited, like I think a lot of folks in Broncos country are, to see Sean Payton's staff kind of take shape a little bit more day by day. Yeah, so I I, I think one of the reasons I, I was you know excited to talk to you about this is because I am curious how that all kind of was perceived on the Broncos side of things because I know very very well how it all kind of was a was appreciated here in terms of well they didn't get enough blah 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 like you know should, should they have held out whatever did it feel like the Broncos were were giving away too much for a head coach when they could have just hired one or or was this kind of generally understood that this was well worth the price that they were paying I think to football fans that like good offensive football, it makes a lot of <laughs> yeah, sense. Okay. And, the, you know, the Broncos weren't really planning on having a first-round draft pick for most of the year because that draft pick was part of the Russell Wilson trade. And so they were already, I think, settled in that in terms of their expectation for what the first and early part of the second uh, day of the draft will look like, right? Mm-hmm. And so – then you trade Bradley Chubb, and it wasn't that they don't love Bradley Chubb as a player or as a person. He's a phenomenal person, great in the community, came back, did a community event on his uh, Dolphins bye week. They just didn't want to get burned because of his injury history, so they couldn't give him the same six-year, $120 million deal that the Dolphins gave him. So then they had that late pick, which we know was, what, 28 or whatever with the Niners, and you may get a home run at 28, but there's also plenty of misses in the later half of the first round and really throughout the entire first round. So... I think you're getting, of all the eight coaches they talked to, the guy that has been the most successful offensively, the only one of the eight who comes in with his own Lombardi trophy and own Super Bowl ring. He doesn't have to look in the Broncos trophy case and wonder what it's like to win one of those because he has one. A lot of people like Jim Harbaugh. A lot of people think D'Amico Ryans is going to be a great head coach, and time will tell on that. I understand the the fascination with Harbaugh to some to some degree. I've been lucky enough to get to know Sean a little bit in passing at various events. I met him at the final four years ago and then run into him at the combine and owners meetings year after year. He's always been gracious to me. When Aaron Glenn was interviewing here last year, I reached out. He got back to me with a quote. And so I was excited about the prospect when you heard they wanted two number ones and two number twos. I think you can ask for anything, right? We know how negotiations work. And then the way the Broncos did spin it and will continue to spin it is George Payton and Mickey Loomis were constantly talking and they were trying to drive the price down. And as Sean joked, he didn't want the price to be too high because he didn't want to come here and have the cupboard completely bare. But as he started to settle in, and he's obviously doing a little bit of media last week around Super Bowl stuff, and we got to talk to him. I got to touch out with him for a minute down at Radio Row in, in Phoenix. You're, you're starting to not only get past the draft compensation piece, but also the fact that you are now getting a Super Bowl winning coach that knows every part of running a program where the Broncos, the last three coaches who all had their pluses, their biggest minus, whether it was intentional or not, was they hired three first time head coaches in a row mm-hmm. coming off Gary Kubiak and John Fox uh, and, and a long run with Mike Shanahan with a little bit of Josh McDaniels. Right. So I think that overall they're excited. That's a long answer, but I think Broncos country is excited about what Sean and Russell Wilson, what Sean can do, and hopefully what he and Russell Wilson can do together. You know, you mentioned, obviously, Russell Wilson right there, and one thing that uh, stood out day one, that press conference with Sean Payton, and then afterwards seeing some of the media talking with him about, you know, Russell Wilson's personal quarterback coach and anybody else staff that he has that he works with, and Sean basically shutting that down, saying that was foreign to him. Have we have we heard anything from Russell Wilson's camp now 
uh, coming back after that, basically saying that it's going to be Denver Broncos coaches in this building, and that's it. Not publicly necessarily. I, I think that very publicly, though, Russ had to eat a bunch of humble pie, not intentionally. <laughs> he wanted to have a MVP-like season. I think Nathaniel Hackett went out of his way to make Russ look like an MVP-type candidate, almost to a fault of the offense, and it, to some degree, might have cost Hackett his job. Not because Russ was demanding, hey, run all these plays, although like any QB is going to say, I'm more comfortable with this. I don't really want to run that. But because subconsciously, he's like, well, I've got a top five, top ten kind of quarterback talent, a guy that has gone to nine Pro Bowls in the playoffs eight times and had great numbers. Why wouldn't I try to, to feature him more? And I think that Nathaniel Hackett got away from who he is a little bit. Because I remember talking to him, it's funny, because the Combine's coming up here next week. I happen to just be on the same flight coming home that day with, with Hackett and a couple of his staffers. And we were talking about Floyd Little came up and then Syracuse, and he was the OC at Syracuse. I was like, man, it's pretty crazy that Floyd Little, Ernie Davis, Jim Brown. And he goes, yeah, we beat all their records. We ran the hell out of the ball. We're going to run the hell out of the ball here, too, where you'll see. And I think that's who he is and who he wants to be, right? He grew up watching his dad coach with Marty Schottenheimer. But then he had Russell Wilson there, and I think for better or worse, you know, they, they go out and beat the Jags in London, come back at the Titans, who are a little undermanned. They, first nine plays, they throw it eight times. Early on when they were having red zone struggles, they threw it 15 out of 18 times inside the 10 to not a lot of success. So I think that Sean is going to run what he wants to run. Russ is going to have to run it the way Sean wants it run and wants it called. And if Russ has a problem with it, Sean knows that he has more power in the organization, more pull than Russ did. Russ had more last year because of the new coach coming in, a second-year GM, a new ownership group. He's the guy coming in with all the accolades and, and the resume. Well, then he has a terrible year. Some of it's his fault. A lot of it's not. But plenty of it was, I guess. You know, all the injuries are not his fault. You lose your left tackle, your tailback, one of your top receivers, all of your receivers at some point, injuries on defense, injuries up and down the O-line, your center and Lloyd Cushenberry for more than half the year, right at half the year. You're not going to play great, right? You wouldn't think you would. But but I think Russell will have to listen to Sean, and that means Jake Heaps will have to run the Russell Wilson Passing Academy. And if he and Russell want to go over film at Russell's house, great. And Russ's nutritionist that handed him a shake every day when he came off the practice field, well, the Broncos nutritionists are capable of making a shake with the same ingredients. In fact, they're probably the same ingredients from the same kitchen, right? So I think Russ can fall back in line with just following the <laughs> – the protocols and the way the rest of the team operates. But it won't be made with love. like. <laughs> well, uh, well, it won't cost him as much money because he won't that, have to pay that, that is the true. nutritionist that is true. what he was paying her to hand him the shake. You can pay for love. Um, <laughs> all right. So, obviously, you know, when Russ showed up, the expectations had to be very high, right? You, you don't make that trade and say, okay, we are going to have a uh, adjustment year where everyone gets a free pass. No. You make that trade, you expect immediate results, and obviously those did not come. By the time you got to Christmas Day, all the kids watching on Nickelodeon were not entertained and went to do something else. Um, <laughs> and, and obviously that's like shortly thereafter, Nathaniel Hackett lost his job and you were starting from scratch. And so this might – I wonder, okay, so what what are the expectations for this team in year one under Sean Payton and what would be viewed as a success? Like – Obviously, a run to a Super Bowl would be fantastic, but that's just you know probably unrealistic based on what happened last year and how far everything got 
in the wrong direction. So what would you consider a successful year one for Sean Payton and the new staff and Russ and everybody else? Well, I think the, the simplest answer is just be above 500 to, to start. Don't be the worst offense in football. Yeah, that's a good start. And don't be the second worst offense in football, right? Uh, but I think playoffs is a realistic goal. And once you're in, you're in. And, and who knows what happens and where for as good as Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are. And obviously they're great. They're Super Bowl favorites. And as good as we think the Chargers will continue to be with Justin Herbert at the helm, at least in terms of competition, there's no reason to think with an expanded playoff field that you can't be in the playoffs as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that coupled with how far the expectations rose with Russ coming in and Nathaniel Hackett coming in, that the expectations will be tempered here, right? And they'll tell you, hey, let, let's get let's get adjusted. Let Sean and Russ get to learn each other. Let Sean learn the ins and outs of being the Broncos head coach because things are going to be different than than being the the head coach of the Saints. You know, I'm, I'm certainly not trying to pick on the Saints or Saints media, oh, but free. you, but it's just not covered the same way the Broncos are on a daily basis. And I think that's something that surprised Peyton Manning when he got here. I know it's something that surprised Hackett a little bit. And so, you know, with the combine coming up, about 20 to 25 coaches will talk and same number of GMs. So you never get all 32, right? Bill Belichick doesn't feel like talking to assembled media, both national and local folks, for 15, 20 minutes on, on a podium on Tuesday or Wednesday. Well, apparently Sean hadn't done that either, but I don't know how much demand there was because – Folks like Jeff Duncan and company could get to Sean when they needed to, I'm sure, Combine Week or in general. Mm-hmm. But we're going to have four TV stations out there and three radio stations and three or four different print entities plus a couple just primary digital. You know, if there's not 20 people from Denver plus the Broncos website, which travels pretty heavy, if there's not 20 people out there just to cover Sean slash George Payton all, uh, and even Peyton Manning if he shows up, all the Paytons, but to, <laughs> to be out there at the Combine, because we're used to whether it's John Elway or John Fox or right, going on all those coaches I mentioned, they talk at the combine usually on a Tuesday or even on a Wednesday, and then you're kind of around just you know talking to their coaches or talking to them in passing. But Sean hasn't done that. It'll be interesting to see if if Broncos PR asks him and, and or convinces him to get up there and talk to the media, then talk to Sirius XM and talk to Mike Florio and talk to uh, Colin Cowherd or whoever else might be there. So that'll be fascinating to see too. But it's going to be. It's going to be different. The expectations, though, Sean is going to catch a little bit of a break because of how poorly Russ and the team played last year. Talking with Brandon Cristal, Broncos insider for WKOA Radio, sorry, in Denver. And Brandon, uh, just curious on the Denver side of things with the whole Sean Payton trade with the Saints. I'm curious just because I thought that little sweetener of the Broncos getting back a third-round pick from the Saints was kind of – a surprise to me and just wondering the reaction yeah. on your guys and when all of a sudden Denver was getting back a pick in this deal. It, it was it was exactly that. I was like, oh, okay, the price didn't seem too high a, a, <laughs> as it stood. Oh, and then now there's a third coming back next year when they might be able to use that this year if they need it to, to move up, right? And so I, I think that it's a credit to George Payton that he was able to convince Mickey Loomis or whether it's George and Sean Payton together talking to Mickey – and and I don't know how much Sean played the, hey, look at the 15, you know, 16 years, 15 seasons I gave you guys, and look at where the franchise was, and look at where it is now, and, and the expectations there, and, and what Sundays mean, not that they weren't always special, but coming off the heels of what was oftentimes LSU wins or other wins across the SEC, we know how many Saints losses followed on a Sunday, right? <laughs> Archie Manning knows it all too well, going back a little further than, than we'd like. But Sean cha- completely changed everything and not just Sean and he won't 
take full credit. He'll certainly thank the Benson family and Mickey together. Right. Andrew Brees, Andrew Brees for sure. But look at who the Saints are now versus where they were. And Sean certainly, I think, gets plenty of credit. Jay Glazer told told me that last week on Radio Row that Sean's a culture changer. That if he thinks something's wrong, even you know down to the littlest detail, like the size of the playoff towels, he'll get that changed, or the food that's catered in the building, or the facilities. And they were the first. The Saints were the first team in the NFL to have a cryo chamber and have a float tank. And you know the Broncos have that now. They definitely were not early adopters because I would see players, you know, posting pictures on Instagram and Twitter just a few years ago of the cryo places they'd go to around Denver. They have them now. They have two of them. But, but Sean was at the forefront on a lot of that stuff. And, and so I think that he's worth what you pay for. And then when you get that back, you're like, okay, well, <laughs> good job by, by George and Sean to get Mickey to cough up a third. Brandon, appreciate the time. Hope you have a great Friday. Wish you were down here to enjoy some Mardi Gras parades with us. Oh, b- believe me, I've got some friends that are down. And I saw some pictures. I'm like, man, yeah. gosh, I wish I was there. And I missed it. Senior Bowl this year too. I always try to fly in and out of there. But yeah. I was there last year for six days, and my my beloved Kansas Jayhawks, my alma mater, of course, cut the nets down. It was an awesome six days. I, I love coming down to New Orleans. And I don't know what year. I guess we're probably at least two years away from. Uh, Saints and, and Broncos in New Orleans at the earliest, if not five years, five or six. But if Sean's still around, his return to New Orleans is going to be pretty fascinating too. Yeah, but not this coming season, but the season after that, the Broncos come to New Orleans. There you go. All right. So I want to be there for that. You know, I wasn't at his introductory presser because I was already at the Super Bowl, and I've had several conversations with him. When I get another chance, I want to ask, does he now think Will Parks was inbounds? Because obviously <laughs> when they were there the last time, you know, however many times ago that was, Will Parks collected that blocked field goal from Justin Simmons where extra point or whatever it was where he jumped over the center and scooped and scored. And Sean was adamant when I saw him on the street in Indy that he's like, no, we have an angle where he is definitely out of bounds. Yeah, well, okay, since well, he, he was objectively out of bounds. So we'll, we'll just settle it here and say, yeah, I, I, I would Sean put, changes his mind. If he changes his mind, I will lose a lot of respect for Sean in this conversation. But enjoy <laughs> Ant-Man. Let me know if he beats Kang. Actually, don't because I want to I want, okay. I see that for myself. Yeah, you'll go. Yeah. Y'all have a All good right. night watching that movie. I'm looking forward to it, okay. too. Okay. Broncos Insider, KOA Radio in Denver, Brandon Cristal. Always appreciate the time. Jeff and Steve here on Sports Talk Friday edition. Want to hear from you on the Oakland Heart Jewelers talk and text line, 504-260-1870. We'll be back more with Steve and Jeff after the break here on WWL. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We are back on Sports Talk. Steve and Jeff, and we have someone's back in the mix for the Saints. I know it's exciting. We have a wide receiver that has been signed and brought back. It's never a good thing when your yardage total matches your jersey number, Oof. and it's especially not when it's in the teens. Um, but, but for yes. whatever reason, the Saints do like Keith Kirkwood and are bringing him back again. Well, I don't think it's a mystery why they like him. He works hard, and he you know he blocks well, and he's a good special teamer, and that's why you bring him back. But yeah. Kirk, two Keith two Kirkwood, catches, 18 yards. Two ca- yeah, I mean, he's not a guy you bring him back to be a major contributor. But uh, Keith Kirkwood, I like the guy. I've got to hang out with him uh, at, a, at a dinner last year. Very friendly. 
had a lot had a very nice things to say about New Orleans and not so nice things to say about <laughs> Charlotte, <laughs> where he played for about a year and a half with Matt Rule, who was his coach at Temple. Um, but yeah, was it more about Matt Rule or just even the the city he didn't oh, was, was fond of? He he really likes Matt Rule. Okay, I mean he was his college coach, and that's why he wanted to be in Charlotte. Like that's why he went there. Um, but yeah, it was mostly just Charlotte. They didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, you know, it's I think it was more like he got he got into the NFL in New Orleans, and he really likes New Orleans, so he was happy to come back. So yeah, going from New, the city of New Orleans to Charlotte, that's got to be pretty rough. Yeah. And he just said he identified with, with New Orleans a lot more, and so that's why he wanted to come back here. So it's not a surprise to me that he wants to stay. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a very exciting city, very vanilla, kind of boring, not much <laughs> nightlife going on in, in Charlotte. I don't, I, honestly, I don't know, though. It's not like I've been partying in, 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 in Charlotte much. I've been to Charlotte a couple times. I used to live up in South Carolina, and it was only a couple-hour drive. There's some good nightlife. There's uh, some. I mean, Charlotte, the city is fine. It's just like there's just not that much going on around it. You know, it's like very much. I guess that's true. Of, you know, it's not like there's a ton going on around New, like the New Orleans area either. But uh, there know. always seems to be. Besides, obviously, you know, we've got parades and some kind of yeah. festival going on. So at least like there's character to yes, it. Yes, there you go. Right, and I it's it doesn't feel that way uh, in Charlotte. Hopefully, there's no one from North Carolina listening. Well, we'll get to see <laughs> uh, hopefully some uh, interesting action at this uh, NBA All Star Weekend. I know the. Uh, Three-point competition in the dunk contest will be tomorrow. The game will be Sunday. But tonight, the Rising Stars Tournament. As I actually just learned during the show when you pulled things up, that there's actually four teams going to be playing in this Rising Star Games, which is a a little different, obviously, from years past. Yeah, I I didn't know this either until today (laughs) when I went to look at it because I wanted to figure out what time it was on. And I come across it, and it's, yes, it is four teams, three games, right? So... There'll be two games, like semifinal games. The winners of those games will play in a third game for the Rising Stars title. The two semifinal games will be played to a target score of 40. So they're going to be using like the Elam ending, like the, they will in the actual All-Star game. And then the championship game will only be to 25. So it's kind of <laughs> be like these kind of short games. It's they're not that dissimilar to what the NFL did with the Pro Bowl in how it was kind of this alternative format where you're not really playing a football game, like a full-fledged football game, but there's some unique qualities to it. Um, and so that's kind of what they're doing. And the coaches for each team, Pau Gasol, Darren Williams, Joachim Noah, and Jason Terry. Um, Jason- I'm, I'm just sad that the two Pelicans didn't get to be on the same team. Ah, I mean, they get to play each other. And I think <laughs> I think Trey kind of joked that he's not going to let Jose do any of his little sneak steals. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so Jose Alvarado is on Team Pow, Mr. Gasol. Um, and, I mean, these rosters are pretty stocked. Like, they're all lottery picks from the last two years. Like, Jose's team also has Paolo Banchero, Benedict Matherin, Jaden Ivey, and Keegan Murray. Oh, and Scotty Barnes. So, like, these are these are guys who are interesting to watch. The, the team – oh, and uh, – Trey Murphy is on Team Darren Williams, so he's with Franz Wagner, A.J. Griffin, Bones Highland, Walker Kessler, Ayo Dasunmu. The interesting team is Jason Terry's team because he has a bunch of G League Ignite players. So, like, on his team is actually Scoot Henderson, who's probably going to be the number two pick in the draft coming up. So you get to get a sneak peek at him. And then you guys like Scotty Pippen Jr. and Mac McClung. I was going to say, Mac McClung's also in the dunk contest I, I've heard with that Trey. guy's name so many times. This, this, the leading up to this weekend is the yeah, first time I've heard, heard of him. heard of him in my life. Exactly. But I can't get away from Mac McClung. Apparently, he's like a, like a professional dunker. So maybe he'll be doing some weird stuff. Either way, I think it's an interesting – like for a game that 
in most years you would never even consider watching. I think it's interesting how they're doing it and how they're kind of breaking it up because these are really interesting players to watch. You know, I've seen LeBron, I've seen Giannis, I've seen all these guys. Who are the next guys, right? And so that's kind of who you're watching here, and you get a lot of opportunities to see that. And nice to have, obviously, our guys being amongst that mix and Alvarado and Murphy. Now, Ken Murphy... The next day, tomorrow, he's going to be involved in that dunk contest. And I know over the years, that's something that's lost that shine off of it. But uh, it'd be pretty impressive to see him come away with the trophy tomorrow. I am not familiar with any of the dunkers um, in the mix with him. You're not a big Jericho Sims fan? <laughs> right. Yeah. Coming back with more sports talk here. Want to hear from you on the Oakland Hard Jewelers Talking Text Line, 504-260-1870. Call us, text us here on WWL. How about them Tigers? LSU baseball is a 1-0 after a 10-0 shellacking of Western Michigan on opening day. And, man, we're getting some complaints about how ineffective or, un- I won't say unproductive, but how inefficient. Inefficient. There you go. There's the word I was looking for. Paul Skeen's. The LSU ace was his first outing, six innings, 12 strikeouts, 22 batters faced, just three hits allowed and no one runs, walk. one walk. Yeah. Well, I know I know Charlie. Charlie's back there behind the glass slamming his hands down because we got a text that said 98 pitches a lot. Come on, man. For six inches of work. Come on. Char- Charlie, Charlie's back there. We got to talk about this. I mean, come on, right? <laughs> Paul, there's nothing to complain about. It's a 10 nothing victory. Paul Skeens <laughs> looked just as advertised. Six innings pitched, 12 strikeouts, as you said, Steve. Three hits allowed, no runs. I mean, there's nothing to complain about with that performance. He threw 98 pitches. Yeah. yeah. That's he- relatively average for six innings of work in college baseball. Well, and look at it this way like, it's the first game of the year. <laughs> if he was like, if his goal was to go eight innings, sure, maybe you try to end a few at bats earlier. But like six innings in your first start of the year, I think you're fine with it. And keep in mind, like if you're if you're okay going like 110, 115, 120 pitches, you're probably getting through seven, eight innings. So like, what are we mad about here? Also, keep in mind they only got three hits, which means that they weren't putting the ball in play. Like, so you're not getting quick at bats. You're striking people out. Yeah, they're another shout out to off. Christian Little and Micah Buckham. The yeah. uh, the two relief pitchers went three innings, giving up zero hits, only one base runner, which was a walk in the ninth inning, four and four more strikeouts. strikeouts. Yep. yep. So 16 total strikeouts. You know, there's only 27 outs in a baseball game. So uh, you can do the math there. You guys able to see anything online? Any update on Tommy White? I know he left the game early. It looked like a shoulder or hand injury, and nothing really has been – at least that I've seen, cleared up on what the issue was with him. Not yet. I haven't seen anything. Actually, J- uh, Scott Rabelais from The Advocate just tweeted 41 seconds ago, says <laughs> Jay Johnson said he does not think Tommy White's shoulder injury is as bad as it looked. Okay, it's a shoulder. But he doesn't know if he will play tomorrow. Quote, I think it's not bad, but we'll see. The fact that he would address it at all is a good sign. If it was something significant, he would say, we're going to get it looked at, blah, blah, blah. Right, the doctor is so, all, yeah. Yeah, it, like the fact that he's willing to even go out on that limb is a good indicator that hopefully he did avoid anything serious, but that's the update for now. Also, I'll say a, a really great indicator for this LSU offense obviously was mega productive last season, but today obviously 10 runs on nine hits, zero of those runs coming from the long ball today, gentlemen. Yeah. So Tiger's able to pound it out right there. Will be interesting. We yeah, have you want some high level analysis. You want some high level analysis, Steve? What's that? It's good stuff. <laughs> good <laughs> stuff right there. Uh, you can hear the rest of the Tigers opening series here on WWL. Game two is tomorrow. We'll have pregame coverage at one o'clock. First pitch one thirty. Then game three Sunday. 
Pre-game is at noon, first pitch, 1230. You can catch all the action on your home for LSU, WWL, AM, FM, and .com, and, of course, the free Odyssey app. Coming back with more sports talk here after the break. One more hour with me and Jeff and Charlie. Coming back, it'll talk to you about some more Saints' uh, latest, greatest news from the black and gold here on WWL. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 